The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So let's begin with our chant, the three refuge chant that we've been doing. And before we do this chant, I just want to pass on, and I'll include this in next week's email. I forgot to do it today, but Mary sent uh, me something that was really moving from one of the articles that Thich Nhat Hanh wrote on the three refuges. And uh, if you don't know, Thich Nhat Hanh is a very, was a very well-known Buddhist monk, Vietnamese monk, and uh, longtime teacher here in the West before he went back to Vietnam shortly before he died. And he was also a poet and an activist, scholar, and a Dharma teacher and Buddhist monk. And I think that uh, yeah, maybe a number of factors in his life gave him a kind of courage, because uh, what you find in a lot of the Buddhist traditions is a cer certain conservatism, like not wanting to boldly reinterpret the Buddhist teachings, because it's, you know, they're considered sacred. But um, I think Thich Nhat Hanh wisely understood that s still, somehow, one way or another, it has to be made new every generation in order to be relevant. And one of the things he did with the refuges, and you can read this, you can go back to the article or wait until you get the little excerpt that Mary put together. But he's, instead of saying, I take refuge in the Buddha, he has us interpreting it as, the Buddha takes refuge in me. And you know, it's okay if we have that more childlike, you know, the sort of wonderful grandparent in the sky, you know, who's got our back kind of thing. But it's actually really, I think, in line, this sort of play with how we think of refuge is really in line with emptiness and uh, learning how not to unconsciously keep reinforcing the sense that, oh, poor me, has to wake up. And not only do I have to wake up, before I can wake up, I have to take refuge in the Buddha, and I have to take refuge in the Dhamma, and I have to take, and it just creates this huge, you know, just adds on to that weight that, that compels us to believe so strongly, well, of course I'm here, of course this is about me, of course this whole awakening thing is just one more thing I have to do, because we feel burdened. And that sense of contraction confirms, reconfirms re that sense of self. So I think it was this little brilliant move to, oh, the, that there's something happening. And the reason this, I think, is in line with the deeper teachings from the Buddha is, you know, the awakening process isn't something you or I do, it's something that happens. Just like, believe it or not, but at least let's stay open, suffering isn't something you or I do. It's something that happens naturally, lawfully, when the appropriate supporting causes are there, then there's this appearance of a me who feels really tight and overwhelmed in life. And when those supporting causes for suffering aren't there, then there isn't that me who feels overwhelmed by life. 
And it's the same naturalness uh, in the awakening process. So to turn it around, oh yeah, the Buddha takes refuge in me, that there, there is this capacity or there is this natural process waiting to happen, waiting to sort of, uh, one of the images I really love from the Sufi tradition and used by some of those ancient poets like Rumi and Havis is uh, the idea that we're becoming an instrument, like a flute is often what would be used, the simile of a flute, and something would move through us and make some beautiful music. And uh, But that movement is sort of nature, it's just waiting to happen. Awakening, Buddha, waiting to express itself, that awareness, you could say, for just lack of a you know, better term. Just somehow that awakened state, that awakened, awakenedness, that capacity. And uh, we keep missing it because we neurotically think there's a me that's got to do something, and we miss this potential over and over again. And without Buddha, there's no being intimate with Dhamma. Without being intimate with Dhamma the way it is, there's no beautiful, compassionate, enlightened activity, responsivity. So that's just a little uh, inspiration when we do the chant. You know, even we'll chant it in the traditional way as we always do, but you can just have that sense when we are chanting Buddhang Saranangachami, which means taking refuge in the Buddha. Just have that sense that there's a natural process, a life force, or whatever you want to call it, that wants to move through, capable of using this flute, you know, to express some freedom. Let's do the chant together now.
for the meditation time. Do the best you can. And we can use that sense of Buddha taking refuge here and now in this mind, this heart and body. Freedom, the potential for real freedom, the unshakable release of the heart. In a sense, wanting to express itself here and now in this imperfect, frumpy life that's being lived. We don't need different causes and conditions. Keep it really simple during our sitting time. This capacity of Buddha being intimate with Dhamma and something beautiful arising with that naturally and in a sense effortlessly. And it has to do with this coming together of intimacy, that's the Buddha connecting, opening to the way it is, to Dhamma. It's this intimacy and the non-grasping that arises out of this intimacy, supported by the intimacy, is the freedom. Freedom depends on being connected or being open, or allowing, or non-distraction. That feeling compelled to throw something out of our heart, thinking that this doesn't belong. So a simple way for a sitting time to explore this Buddha being intimate with Dhamma, this marriage of intimacy and non-grasping, is just to use a simple meditation word like the word yes, a big 
heartfelt yes to whatever's being felt, whatever's being known, whatever's moving, whatever's confusing, yes to doubt, yes to pain, yes to pleasure. This too belongs. And the yes can have flavors of both wisdom and love, wisdom and kindness, wisdom and compassion. If it's arising here, it belongs. In this place, this marriage of intimacy and non-grasping, this is our working ground or our training ground or our dear, respected teacher. Buddha being intimate with Dhamma, being awake to the way it is. So we'll continue silently now, just doing the best we can.
And for the last minute or so, just some sense of what's trustworthy in the being open, the being aware of the way it is. How can this be, how might this be trustworthy? What's here and now? requiring any interpretation or definition, timeless, having this flavor of freedom or release, 